You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing why dental hygiene is a critical component to any successful practice. This, of course, includes identifying dental disease and providing the appropriate treatment. In addition, we must continually maintain our patient's oral health through quality preventive care. And this applies to children, adolescents, and adults. Sometimes it gets a little challenging with adults as there is often no insurance coverage for these kinds of procedures. Our guest is Kathy Cabinzone, a registered dental hygienist and educational consultant and speaker for Orapharma, Dental Products Shopper, and Centrix. She has an extensive background in the profession of dental hygiene in the clinical setting, and this applies to both GP and periodontal practices. She's also a dental hygiene clinical adjunct professor and practice management consultant. Kathy, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you, Dr. Klein. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, you can call me Phil. I'm not used to people calling me Dr. Klein, but it's, it sounds good. So you can <laughs> feel free not to wonderful. call me Dr. Phil is good too, either one. Um, so I Thank think most of us believe that today in modern dentistry, the dental profession has pretty much tackled dental caries to the point of you know, controlling it and in many cases preventing dental caries. But I understand that in adults, caries is actually on the upswing. It's increasing. So what are your thoughts on that? Sadly, that's correct. Untreated caries in permanent teeth is the most common health condition according to the 2017 Global Burden of Disease Report. Also in 2018, the National Health and Nutrition Survey identified that 96% of patients over 65 have untreated decay and people between the age of 20 and 65, 92% of them have untreated decay. So that shows us that um, we might not be doing a great job in the preventive arena for our seniors. And um, I believe this is mostly because our patients don't understand what causes a cavity or to how to prevent it beyond brushing and flossing. I've experienced this in the public health arena and the private practice setting. Additionally, the false belief that caries is only a childhood disease from some of our patients, insurance companies, and you know, sadly, some of the dental healthcare professionals may believe this as well. So let me ask you this. What do you think um, the reason is why adults in general are not getting the preventive care that children receive? What's the main reason for that or a couple of main reasons? And the second part of the question is, is there different or special treatment needed for adult preventive care that's different than children? Those are great questions. I think the reason why adults are experiencing challenges with preventive care, and this comes from experience from the past 20 years as an educator and a clinician. Um, again, like I just said, it's a lack of knowledge of the benefits of fluoride varnish and the belief that fluoride is only for children. Human nature requires a value system of beliefs to accept advice and care and make changes. If our patients don't understand the benefits of fluoride varnish and there's a cost attached to it, simply they don't comply. Second, many practices are not willing to add cost services to care as many patients don't want to pay out of pocket for the reasons I just mentioned. And the practices that will incorporate an adult preventive program may lack um, practice systems or protocols on patient risk assessment and or how to communicate the risks and the benefits to their patients. So what's the main difference between someone 10 years old coming in for preventive and then an adult who's 50? Is the treatment different? And you're saying the insurance companies 
don't pay for the adult preventive care? Correct. Most of the insurance companies do not pay for adult preventive fluoride varnishes. And the treatment wouldn't really be different um, in prevention. Uh, typically, the dose for a child would be different than a dose for an adult. But um, the fluoride varnish is um, acceptable and very effective in an adult and in a child. Additionally, the recare may be different for an adult than it would be for a child, depending on the risk factors that the adult has. And of course, the interdental devices they will use at home for home care may be different than a child would be. As a hygienist, when you're making a presentation to the adult and you know that that person has a history, you've done risk assessment, or maybe you haven't done risk assessment. I mean, that's kind of part of the preventive care, right, is the risk assessment. Um, Correct. So, but you know this patient needs really a full preventive care program, and they're really coming in when they already have a problem, whether it's pain or something that doesn't look aesthetic and something chipped off or whatever reason they're coming in. They're not doing it to maintain their health long term. Um, it's kind of like taking care of a property. You know, If you wait for the roof to leak, some people do that, and some people realize 12 years is up, it's time to put a new roof on, or 20 years. And the same with your automobile. I don't mean to in any way mitigate the profession comparing it to those uh, analogies that I just made, but it is a way of living, right? Preventive versus treating the problem. So how do you uh, communicate to the patient who is one of those patients who are not really interested in the preventive side of things? How do you get them to come on board with, with your whole program? That's a really good question. Um, I have utilized many different tools and many different communication styles, but one that I found that was extremely effective for me is, again, patients do not understand prevention. They do not understand dental disease. If it doesn't hurt, um, they don't have it. So they have to understand the whys. All too often in dentistry, we like to preach, especially dental hygienists, versus teaching. I believe we have to teach our patients that decay is caused from bacteria and it will not um, go away if it is not um, treated. We also can prevent it and explain to them that the fluoride varnish will actually remineralize as that bacteria tries to break down with those acid attacks. This is done with a good thorough risk assessment and you have to engage your patient in that risk assessment. A lot of hygienists as they graduate and as they start their career, and I was guilty of this, um, didn't have a structured risk assessment format and tools to utilize. I had researched many of the, what we all know is Canberra, carries management by risk assessment tools. And some of those forms were um, very confusing and even more confusing for my patients and time consuming. So I had researched and found some great forms that Centric um, supplies on their website. I downloaded them to my desktop and I utilize them. I have a patient form that the patient fills out themselves, which actually opens up that dialogue and I go over it with the patient. Then while I'm doing my clinical risk assessment, I will fill out the other risk assessment form that basically will guide me into what that treatment plan for the patient will be. But when I'm doing my clinical um, assessment, I engage the patient. If I don't have an intraoral camera, I have um, a mirror and I always make sure that the patient is holding on to it. When I am seeing anything that may be a risk factor, whether it's a faulty restoration, whether it's um, bacterial buildup around a crown, underneath a bridge, 
or demineralization, I will point that out to the patient. And then at that time, I will alert the patient that we have great ways to remineralize and great ways to prevent this from happening. So you possibly may never have to have a cavity again because it is preventable. Imaging oh. is very important, right, for engagement using an intraoral camera. Patients have to understand the whys. We can't just keep telling them they need something. They have to really be part of it and understand and understand what dentistry is. That's definitely a big step in engagement is to show them areas in their mouth, uh, in their dentition that are going to trap plaque and lead into other things that are going to be much more destructive to their oral health and, of course, cost a whole lot more. And you could give them a choice, right? Do you want to spend some time in a very proven, successful preventive care program? Or do you want to just continually come in when your teeth are in a more destructive phase? And with that proof that you're talking about seems to be uh, a, certainly a good way to get them started. How successful are you once you do that presentation using these tools? I have fortunately been extremely successful, not only just using the tools, but changing some of my verbiage. Um, instead of saying plaque, because most of my patients don't really know what it is, I say bacteria. I explain to them that any carbohydrate they intake will create um, their mouth to be in an acidic environment, which actually wakes the bacteria up and the bacteria will drop acid for two hours on their teeth. You know, terms like that they understand versus just saying a carious lesion, um, plaque. Um, most of our patients don't really know what those mean. They know what they are, but what do they really mean? Absolutely. And I think that makes total sense. The object of the game is to connect with the patient using a language that they understand instead of using dental jargon. By the way, Kathy mentioned getting these forms from Centrix. You can get those at centrixdental.com. What are the typical consequences, the risks, and costs when a patient says, I don't really want to accept preventive care treatment at this point versus using your program and using fluoride varnish. And I'd like to hear more about what kinds of fluoride varnish you're using and how to apply it. Again, great questions. The primary cost to the patient uh, by not doing preventive is poor oral health, creates a more reactive than proactive situation in their mouths, which we know can create systemic issues. This also needs to be explained to the patient. The monetary costs of restorations, um, surgery are much more costly than paying, say, maybe $37 for two to three fluoride varnish applications a year, depending on what the risk factors are. So I just basically speak to my patients about that. I've been known to ask them a question or two. I've asked them, how would you feel if I could teach you or share with you how you may never have to have a cavity again? People like to be asked open-ended questions. It makes them think. So they'll go a little further and they'll go, come on, everybody has cavities. It's just a natural process of life. And I say to them, no, it really isn't. The enamel is the hardest thing in the entire mouth. The reason you have decay is because of bacteria dropping acid, and we can help you with that. So just engaging them, getting them to understand, to trust to trust us because unfortunately when somebody doesn't understand anything and I love your association with mechanics because I don't understand anything about mechanics and if they tell me I need something that I don't know I usually don't believe them <laughs> so you know our patients feel that way too so we have to really get down to basics show them teach them educate them the whys and um, then be able to move forward and and if it doesn't happen at this visit reinforce it and do it again at the next visit 
if I was sitting in the dental chair and I was a little skeptical about so-called preventive program, you know, and I was one of those typical patients that need proof of everything, like you mentioned, um, and I heard your presentation, I would have to think twice and say, hey, I would like to not have any more cavities for the rest of my life. And I would ask you, you know, what kind of commitment is this as far as time? How often do I have to come in? What, what do you think this is going to cost because my insurance doesn't cover it? Some of those questions. But if you weigh the, the cost-benefit uh, presentation part of it in front of them, they're certainly not going to want to have any part of getting major dental work done in comparison to having fluoride varnish and the other parts of the program that, that you have put together for prevention. Tell us about the fluoride varnishes that you use. I know Centrix is uh, the sponsor of this podcast, and they have done a great deal of work and spent a great deal of resources on education. They work with Evil Learning, they work with other organizations, but they are very, very strong in education. They've had some great speakers like yourself on podcasts and webinars, and I know they have a great product line. What is it about their fluoride varnish? Could you talk about the delivery system? infection control aspect of it, remineralization aspect of it, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Before I was um, contacted by Centrix to do educational consultant, the college that I work at only uses Floridose. And my office, we used Floridose also, which I became very comfortable with. My patients love the flavors. I give them a variety of different flavors. They like that. Most of the adults like the mint but the children like the different flavors. I love the ease of application. I've had in the past where I've used other products where you go to pull the little strip thing back and have the brush in there, the brush flies out, the strip thing, you're like, oh, now you've got to go into, the, you know, de-glove, go into the drawer, get another, um, you know, brush or, or proxy brush to be able to um, administer it. But it goes on very nicely. A lot of patients don't like that thick, sticky feel afterwards. I find that Floridose really flows well and I don't need a completely dry environment. So that's great with children. And um, I, I apply it where's needed. Um, if they're having some demineralization areas, I would apply it um, thicker, try to get the brush a little bit more into proximal. And uh, if it's children, it's dose specific. I happen to know pea size. Um, how much a child needs. So I'll just dab a little bit of that almost even on the outside of my glove and then use it instead of dipping back into the tray. But I like the flow. I love the, the results that I've had from that. And I have used multiple other products. Um, but I do like the results that I see when they come back. My son happens to be one of those great cases. Came back from college, of course, didn't floss, didn't brush that great when he went to college, had interproximal, had not gotten into the dentin yet. So I did it. I put him on a prevention. I used Floridose because that's what we used in the office. And to this day, he's now 36. This was when he's 19. Those incipient lesions have not grown. So they've remineralized. They've remineralized, yes. Yeah. And what about discoloration using Floridose? I know, I know this product's been on the market a long time. It's, it's tried and true. Centrix is known for these products as being really the prevailing products on, in the dental profession when it comes to fluoride varnish. You mentioned that it flows nicely because one of the things about fluoride varnish that is dangerous to dentist equipment is that if it's too thick, it can actually cause damage to the uh, evacuation system. Have you heard that? Yes, it clogs the system up. Could you imagine? I mean, think of the term varnish. Right, exactly. When you look at furniture varnish, it's thick, it's um, glutinous, um, absolutely. 
I love you, you place it and it almost flows itself and it's a lot easier with the suction. And a lot of times I might not even put suction in. If it's a child, I will. I'll just have a little cup and have the patient if they need to spit a little bit in that cup. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up this podcast? I think it's been very insightful. And we're talking to Kathy Cabinzone, who's really an expert. She's a registered dental hygienist, educational consultant, has been in the education business for quite a long time and practices herself. And uh, we really appreciate all your input. Any closing remarks before we wrap it up? I just, you know, would like everyone to realize that um, maybe there is a cost with certain preventive things that we use, um, modalities or treatments that we use, but just think about the long-term cost of not doing it. I used to always feel bad for the patient. Oh my gosh, they're going to have to pay $25, $30 for this. They don't. I never felt bad when they had a cavity and needed a filling or something until somebody said, don't you feel bad about that when you knew you could have prevented it? It was just such an aha moment for me. Now I feel bad if I can't prevent it. And I do everything I can to help that patient understand. I can't judge whether they can afford something or not. That's their decision to make, not mine. I have to give them the information and let them make their own educated decisions. Yeah. And I think with your passion and understanding of what good prevention can do for a patient, I think that comes through in your communication to the patient. And that's why your acceptance for these treatment plans are so high. Again, Kathy, thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are and hopefully we'll have you on another podcast in the future. It'd be my pleasure. Thank you so much, Phil. 